This is Back to Devi, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, we're doing our first freshman episode, a little bit of a primer here. Just take a look at the top. I'm a little bit sick under the weather, so we're going to head over to Corey for the news. Are you sick or are you hungover from this weekend? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, no uh, I'm going to yeah, leave the ladder to the ladder on uh, that one, but you sound like to, you had a good time anyways. Yeah, Wasteman's Open was awesome. It was very rowdy. Uh, I got to... <laughs> It's just heckling people nonstop, dude. Like, if, if someone drove by us on like a little scooter, a little rascal scooter, we start chanting like "drink and drive, drink and," and then they would they would chug their beer. It was pretty awesome. Every time like a they missed like a short putt, we start chanting one of us. <laughs> so, but it was it was yes, I had a good time. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. I'm a little bit jealous, but anyways, getting just a, a short amount of news here for everybody. Uh, some transfer news we'll start with uh, Benjamin Eurosec, formerly of Stanford. He is transferring over to Georgia. Uh, puts a little bit of a damper on Oscar Delp. Um, you know, even that tight end room over there is filled with, with a couple guys like what, Austin Lucky from last year, Pierce Berlin, who a lot of guys like. Makes me a little bit like worried about Oscar Delp's future, but I'm still like slightly optimistic even down the line if he can make something happen. So we'll see what happens there. Um, over to some coaching news where former UCLA head coach Chip Kelly is now headed over to Ohio State to be their offensive coordinator. Um, I thought Campus Life yesterday had a pretty good conversation about it. I urge you to check that out if you really want to hear uh, a little bit more into it. But um, it's going to be a really interesting fit with, with Chip Kelly's kind of run-heavy play style and, and Ryan Day's like, like aerial attack. Like Maybe they can somehow strike the perfect balance here with, with – um, with the two of the most talented backs in the uh, in college right now. So uh, this is also going to open up the transfer portal for the UCLA guys, I believe for the next three days. So that's something to keep an eye on over there as well. Um, with Chip Kelly leaving in his place comes Deshaun Foster, uh, former Carolina Panthers running back way back in like the early two thousands or something. I think it was 1990s. He was actually playing running back for UCLA. So a lot of guys are excited about him coming over to take, uh, take over for the Bruins there. Um, and then I guess, you know, I don't know. Do you have any takes on the, on the Super Bowl with Kansas city going back to back champions here against uh, San Fran? I know we don't usually talk NFL, but any take, any takeaways from that game for you? Um, so I was, I was um, still celebrating uh, when that was going on. I thought hmm. I thought that was the fastest Super Bowl I've ever watched, and then um, the next day I saw that it was the sixth slowest Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> time flies when you're having a good time. Yeah, it did. Um, they've lost three in a row with Kyle Shanahan. Every time he goes to a Super Bowl, he can't win one. Um, mm. We love his system; it's very efficient. I maybe this might be just be too soon or too early to say, but like. Maybe you can't do it with a quarterback like Brock Purdy. Like he needs someone a little bit better than Helen to be like improvisational, you know. Uh, because Patrick Mahomes had a very subpar roster compared to recent years for the Chiefs. And yeah. And then it was the act opposite for the 49ers. So Yeah, no, I honestly thought that San Fran was doing really well in the beginning of the game. Uh, but they just had a bunch of miscues, like CMC fumbles early. Uh, Brock Purdy misses a uke down the field for a touchdown early <clears throat> yes yeah excuse me um he misses debo later in the game as well uh and they also had uh the mixed extra missed extra points so i mean if you're gonna make that many mistakes and then you still just come out tied like 
you you make any one of those plays and there's like no you, you're not worrying about overtime you're not worrying about it it just felt like kansas city started figuring them out slowly as the game went on which is they're the best at doing it um they make adjustments like that andy reed's one of the best at doing it and like yeah by the time overtime came and they only kicked the field goal the minute that ball was going back to Mahomes, uh, i just knew it was over it's done. Yeah. Yeah. You just knew that he was going to drive down and score that touchdown. So. Uh, did you see the Nickelodeon broadcast when um, CMC fumbled it? I did not. No. <laughs> they did the they did the Patrick Star voice. You got to firmly grasp it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always wanted to check that out, but I don't actually get Nickelodeon uh, over here uh, in Canada, so I don't get to watch that oh, one. I, I only see I the will. clips on the internet, but. Okay, I think I will make a point to watch games on Nickelodeon next year. Like no matter what, like if it's on, I'm be like I'm watching Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, guys, be sure to head over to the website at campusacanton.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options. Some of which include access to our draft guides. Speaking of which, our supplemental draft guide and freshman guide is just a r- right around the corner. Pre-orders have already opened up for that one. That's going to be releasing uh, in early March, I believe, March first. Um, you know, you're also going to get, you know, our one of a kind CFF projections, um, our advanced metric tools you guys see all over Twitter. Uh, we also have the CTC winning edge. I think it's going to keep you up to date on all the school depth charts, the returning production uh, throughout the upcoming offseason as well. And, you know, the transfer portal movement. It's probably one of the best cheat sheets for your upcoming drafts this season. So make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to help guide you guys through the offseason. Before I get into my ad reads, I just wanted to clarify something that I said uh, last Campus Life episode, so two episodes ago, about eight days ago. Um, Colin asked me a question about kind of the Debbie landscape, something about how excited I was about it, because there's just no like defined top like uh, across like almost all the boards. Um, well, some defined tops, but generally speaking, there's a lot more ambiguity and a lot more potential um, in this class. And I made the comments about one of our one of our um, contributors here, Aaron Wilcox. Saying that, like, you know, his rings are insane to me. I didn't mean those in a bad way. I just wanted to clarify that for our listeners. I mean, it's exciting because when they first brought me on to see to see, like, the whole thing was like, we're not hive minded. We all have our individual opinions about players. And, like, that's a lot of fun. And it kind of felt a little bit hive mindish last year because it was just kind of already had to clear to find top, you know, MH, MHJ number one and Caleb and Drake Mayer number one and two. But, like, this year, I think there's just so much diversity that like just seeing everyone's takes, like we're not doing hot takes just to be cute. Like it's, it's like a really fun year. It'll be week four. And I could be like, Corey, you're so stupid for putting, putting this player up so high and like vice versa. You could be like, Oh yeah. Well, what happened to Kendon Brown? We haven't heard him for a year now. Like he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so like that. So it, it, I think it's a really fun year, but anyway, I just want to clarify that uh, that was not meant for me being like, I think his process is bad. I just think it's awesome how many different processes there are out there and the diversity of it makes it even more exciting. I love mystery, but I also love home field apparel. And their 15% off promo code for a t-shirt. Look, guys, they have vintage, like, premium. I'm just going to hit all the bingo's words that Felix says. Premium limited edition vintage athletic clothes, guys. Look, it's really comfortable shirts. Uh, Matt Bruning still owes me a shirt. Matt, this is a reminder to you that you owe me a shirt. Anyway, uh, for 15% off, 1-5 with promo code CAMPUS, the number two Canton. You might get the same matching shirt that Matt gets me. I don't know. You won't know, but it might be. It might happen. Corey, you ready for our player profiles? Let's do it. Guys, we're doing two running backs here because Corey wrote the show sheet, so that should have been kind of obvious from the start. (laughs) (laughs) We did two wide receivers last week. We did two wide receivers. We've already done four wide receivers. Now we're just going into running backs. You want to talk more quarterbacks? 
No, no. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, running back for Texas, six foot, two hundred seven pounds. Uh, torn ACL. I want to say that was week eleven. Week eleven. Near the end, yeah, of the season for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we all know Stark has uh, Sark. Excuse me, no T. Sark has a. Uh, that's the Southwest movies I'm watching on my flight home. Uh, always has a 1,000 yard rusher, right? So, uh, Jonathan Brooks had 187 rushing attempts for 1,135 yards, 10 touchdowns, and one fumble. And on the receiving side, he caught 25 of his 29 targets for 286 yards. And I'll pull up the touchdowns later. But anyway, uh, Brooks, I think Brooks has like the best vision in the class. Like, I thought he was. Mm. Excellent on like not just following his blockers. When I talk vision, I'm talking about like that feel, the feel for it in the hole of like holes opening up and getting that sixth sense of where to go next. Like seeing it develop in front of him, not waiting to see the hats, but seeing it develop in front of him. So I think that's Brooks' calling card. I I, I think combine's coming up. I really don't care about the combine. We won't actually see Brooks at the combine. He's at Torrey CL. But I don't think he's a plus athlete. I don't think he's bad, but I just thought he would have been pretty mediocre across the board. Nothing flashes off his profile. Um, as far as athletic testing goes, or even on the field, I think as an athlete, I just think he's just extremely efficient. So, Corey, what do you think about Jonathan Brooks? Yeah, and if you guys listened to this podcast at all uh, earlier in the season, that was probably a little bit tough on him earlier in the year. I just didn't really think that he was that special uh, of a player. And maybe he just didn't wow me sometimes. There wasn't many like of those wow plays I, I felt like. It doesn't mean he isn't good. Like I think like, – like, I think I was hard on him. I think he does have um, some some of the best vision in this class. I, like, I don't think he's the most sudden guy, but he does like f- have a good feel for weaving through traffic. You know, he consistently picks the right lanes at the line of scrimmage. You know, um, he does have the ability to be patient at the line as well. You know, but seems to know when to get downhill quickly as well. So I like a lot of those instincts that he has, like as a runner. Um, I, I know PFF credit him with some good like play strength numbers, but I don't think he's a guy who's going to pop anybody. You know, he can slip an arm tackle. He can bounce off tacklers. And I, I do wonder how much of that is actually going to translate at his size though, which I am a little bit worried about as well. Like I think, I don't know about you, but I think he looks thin at times, especially uh, his lower half, like his calves, his thighs. Like I don't think that he has that well built of a lower half. So I'm worried about how much of that after contact ability actually will translate to the next level. I think, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. I do think he's more slippery than quick. I, that's why I do kind of like yeah. the cream, the cream hunt uh, comparison, because I think that's kind of like how I feel about Kareem too. I don't think he ever, ever wows you like with, with, with like quick moves or anything like that, but he's a smart runner. Um, you know, he's not going to like wow you in the open field, but he's like, he's a little bit more stout. I think, you know, he can hammer out some yardage, which I don't know if I'm sure that Brooks can, but I do see that comparison from a running standpoint. And I guess it, like the big thing here is the ACL tear, right? I mean, Reports yes. are that he could be ready at some point in the season. Why rush it? Like, I think my question becomes, is he good enough to secure a future starting spot if he misses most of the year? And like the team he drafted to has a bad running game. Like, like let's say they just have a bad running game all year. Um, is that going to stop them from bringing in somebody next year? The fact that they have Jonathan Brooks sitting there? I don't know if I, he feels like that, that good to me. It, there was a lot of stuff that he got away with that you were kind of like would that fly in the nfl because you kind of talked about the tackling but just in general you're like would that would that work in the nfl the way you yeah. just slipped out of that yeah i don't know there's a lot of vets like rotating out right now too for the nfl so like yeah. part of me is like it could work like there's a lot of opportunity there's a ton of opportunity compared to prior years in the nfl right now um 
but like is he good enough not to get drafted over like i don't know yeah it, it all depends on his recovery and i always caution everyone like if you're missing the first year like it gets scary like the james yeah. williams is still like missing those first couple years for the like, game speed adjustment is just very very scary so um do you think he gets day two draft capital or you think it's Oh, that's tough. I could see him easily being a round four pick, but I'm going to put it somewhere around three or four. I don't have much to add here, but he definitely had check. He he checks all the boxes. You know, he yeah, checks all. That's the a good boxes. way. That's way good. That's high floor prospect. Yes. Um, like if, if he is in the backup role too, and you draft him late in your rookie drafts, and he like gets his opportunity down the road in the future, like you'll feel good putting him in your lineup. You know. Yes. Yeah. You'll feel good. Uh, let's head over to Marshawn Lloyd. Uh. Six foot two seventeen. Was that what he came in at? Yeah. Or what? No, it was sh- shorter than that. I think he's five nine two seventeen. Stout. Yeah. No. Uh, big arms. Big arms too. Yeah. Um. Play for UNC, right? Transfers over from South Carolina. He tore an ACL early in South Carolina. Um. Did not look like the way his high school self was for about the first two years there. So like year three, they're running a committee. He gets some run. I think he had like. Three really good games, but they're all against poor competition. And then they whoop Kentucky. So, of course, that just makes sense. <laughs> um, but transferred to USC and starts looking like the profile that we thought we saw coming out of out of high school. So, shows nice burst, nice quickness, especially in the open field. Like, you may feel really good about that. Um, yeah. So, Lloyd this past year, 115 attempts, 816 yards, three touchdowns. Or, excuse me, six touchdowns, three fumbles. And they put on 13 receptions for 232 yards. And I'll get those touchdowns later. But his fumbles, right? He only got eight on his career. Mm-hmm. It comes out to like one fumble, one fumble every 36 touches. Yeah, I guess because he didn't actually have that many touches, right? Yeah, because I, I know but, he had yeah. th- his biggest workload this past season. He had three, I guess, right? But you did you did talk about it at the Senior Bowl that it was a little bit of a problem there as well. Yeah, I just like people don't really want to talk about it, but he definitely had like a fumbling issue on a per touch basis. But at the senior bowl, like Max Melton like punched the ball out. Max Melton, who's probably a nickel corner, so like not a strong guy, like is punching that ball out in practice. And he actually made a pretty big highlight play before that. So um I do think ball security is an issue with this profile. Not like a huge one, like like Chris Rodriguez last year. Like Chris Rodriguez has a fumbling issue and he fumbled like I think this year once or twice for the commanders on his limited touches he got. But I do think that's one issue I have with Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah, you did also speak about, though, at the Senior Bowl, his kind of maybe maybe some untapped potential as a receiver there. Uh, we've seen yes. it at times, like, during his career, like, like flashing a little bit here. But, like, over there, you really saw, you know, highlighted his route running ability a little bit. Maybe showed that he could be using a little more versatile, versatile way. So I do like that. Um, Marshawn was always kind of a... a a love for me as a prospect. And I was always kind of wishing he would return from that ACL, but it took forever. It took all the way until like this year until we really saw like he lacked lateral agility back at South Carolina. There was like flashes, but I never really saw anything that that told me he was returning to that form until like this past season, really. I don't know if it's just trust with the knee or whatever, but like he did return a little bit to form. He returned some of that quickness, 7.1 yards per carry. That was second in the power five for running backs with over a hundred carries. Um, he was credited with almost four yards after contact as well. So he showed a little bit of play strength, even though, you know, again, he's not the type of guy that's going to lay a big hit on you or anything, but uh, that twitchy quickness, like return, you know, he made some ridiculous plays. I thought like cutting against the grain, like he was like teleporting with his lateral agility, those cuts he was making, you know, he was pretty explosive. I thought he didn't lose much, much speed when he was stringing a lot of those cuts together. I think the one thing I didn't like about his film this year 
um, was a tendency to keep wanting to work outside, even when there was opportunities for like a cutback back uh, lane, you know, kind of to hit back to the middle gaps. He routinely continued to work outside. And I will say uh, there are times when I just think he was doing what he was coached to do. You know, you see inside leverage from defense line, you keep working outside, but it's like those, those extra instincts, you know, like Brees Hall had this, I thought really well, like that's what really makes guys special. When you can see a cutback lane opening up, when you can get back into those middle gaps, I thought he lacked that a little bit this year, those natural instincts, but again, made some wild plays, um, elusive. I, I think parts of his profile almost have the highest upside, not one of the highest upsides in this class. I will say, um, you know, he has the size, he has a quickness, speed, and he has a pass catching ability. Um, and I think there may be even more room for him to grow still coming off the ACL the further we get away from it. So he is a top five running back for me in this class. I think there's some untapped potential there, but it's a little bit high risk, high high uh, upside as well. Yeah, he's also in my RB5 in this class. And Corey talked about his like burst and his lateral kind of agility. I don't think this class has a lot of that. So I do think that's yeah. really nice for Marshawn Lloyd to showcase those traits. Um. I still think he's kind of soft. Not soft. I think he's weak. Like, he's not shy of contact, but I just feel like he should win more often than he does. Yeah, he doesn't deliver a hit. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's never yeah. the one giving you contact. He braces for it. He can even bounce off it once in a while. But he's never going to, like, lay a hit on somebody. I don't think linebackers will ever be scared of him. You know, like, no. ever. Um, so, that's one of my issues, too. Especially when he came in higher, too. Because I remember I was talking about him. Like, yeah, I think he's going to come in under 210 the way he's listed at. And he came in at 212 or 217, sorry. And those arms are, are massive, but I think he's most likely a pass catching back, change of pace back, which I think is maybe 80% of this class. And I do feel like that type of profile is a dime a dozen. Yeah. So if he doesn't have an established role, like probably right away or year one, I don't think it really happens. Yeah. I, I just think he's going to be this back that has size that probably has that kind of quickness. And people are going to put that together as like, Oh, he's one of the only backs with this combination of like size and that quickness and everything. Like, I think he'll intrigue some teams, maybe more so in like he's in that like J.K. Dobbins mold. He's in that like Dalvin mm. Cook mold. You know, he's yeah. he's like on that spectrum of like player. That's his upside, anyways, if he can reach it. I think that that's still a pretty good question for me. It's like a new age of running backs. It's just so hard to find guys that want to run down the middle. It's just like yeah, it's a new age. Yeah. All right, you good on Marshawn Lloyd? I'm good. Wait, I asked you about draft capital for Brooks. Do you think Lloyd is in the same range, third, fourth? Yeah, that's where I would put him. I almost put majority of running backs in the third, fourth this year, if not later. <laughs> yeah, I do think we'll see a, a ton go through the fifth round. I think a ton will get drafted in the fifth round. Yeah. Um. Look, guys, so we want to ask – we want the show to answer some income questions about the freshmen. Uh, like how good is the 2027 draft class, right? You got your CDC drafts coming up. Some of them are – some of you guys are kind of weird and do them before the spring, and then some of you guys are a little bit safer doing them after the spring. And they get the real weird crowd that waits all the way to, like, preseason. So there's, like, there's no mystery. Whoever those commissioners are that do those, you guys are, you, you guys are scared. You guys are scared to be wrong, and so you wait to get all the notes before the season starts. But anyway, it's all in good fun. I do want to give a, a shout-out to the recruiting team. Uh, they – they do a phenomenal job. Like I, we're giving you like service level knowledge here, but if you like really want to get to know this class, like go ahead and search our podcast feed for Gamscan recruiting and like search for like quarterback or running backs or whatever. Have them go down because they will give you far better infield than we do. Uh, their mindset is usually towards college production, but uh, again, for the most part, they will give you a much better analysis than me and Corey can do. That uh, they're always making up metrics too. Uh, I don't know if Corey saw this, but they're doing um. 
they're taking screenshots from the one v ones and they're measuring how like low their butt gets to the ground. They're like, who gets their, who gets the? <laughs> they, just, they, they just do. They do some crazy grinding, man. They really do. I gotta give yeah. it to those guys. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's they do some groundbreaking stuff. I I do love it. Yeah. Um, they they give us, I think, um, an overall knowledge that I don't think a lot of analysts out there, at least at our level, get. So I feel like when we're a little bit more aggressive on freshmen as a group, I think, I feel like that's wise because we feel like we know a lot about these players, like in our own way, you know, by, by the way that the recruiting team has laid them out for us. Yeah. So check them out. I know uh, David it's at solving football on Twitter. He's been posting a lot more social media. than He usually does in the past, a lot of basketball stuff. They love when players can dunk. They like that. athleticism. <laughs> um, you can go ahead and follow him there. He's probably the most active of the recruiting guys out there, but Let's get into it, Corey. Let's talk about the top, the top of the freshman class, the future of the 2027s here. Let's go off with quarterbacks here. How many, how many, like, would you say tier one quarterbacks do you have? I probably just just have. Not on a whole scale, just internally in the class. I probably just have two, which would be DJ Legway and Dylan Rayola. I'm locked in with you there. I am locked in with you there. So, but you, but which one do you have first? Uh, the better one, obviously, which is going to be Dylan Rayola. <laughs> why is he better? Why is why do you think he's better? I, I think he's the most put together one. I think he's the uh, the best passer here too. I, I, there's like some anticipatory throws on his film that I feel like that even on a collegiate scale, like that's a pro level type throw. And so seeing that on a high school level, it makes you get really excited about his future. He did transfer over from Georgia, or I shouldn't say transfer. He flipped. He flipped last minute from Georgia to Nebraska, which feels really random. And I actually really hated it when it happened. And I was kind of like losing it in the slack. Um, but Austin put a very interesting perspective on it because Austin liked it. And Austin was like, well, we get to see him play right away. You know, yeah. we don't have to wait for like Devin Brown, who's still not playing. And now we, we all think Devin Brown's probably pretty bad. And it's been a couple of years. So we're going to know right away, just like, just like uh, more Dante Moore this year, like he's going to play right away. So we get to see him, see what it looks like like day one. So real is my QB one for what he has for an arm talent. Although I do understand the argument for your QB one. Yeah. Which is, which is like, but what, going back to Rayola, like, you know, the most recent film I watch obviously is his senior season here. I understand he only came there for like one year or whatever. So maybe there was a lack of chemistry and some very slow but, start. I yeah. And yeah, maybe that was some of it, but you were even talking about some of the anticipation on the throw. Like I felt like I saw Lagway lead receivers down the field more. Like, I don't know if that, that, was a bigger arm or whatever. Like there was a lot of plays where it felt like they were more contested down the field that Dylan Rayola was throwing. And I thought that there was a lack of um, tight window throws on the tape. And maybe that would come better from watching him on a downtown basis. We only get so much with the huddle film, but it's like, I didn't see a lot of those like tight rope throws. It was like back shoulders. It was nice deep throws and it was stuff like, like I, and I, I, what I will say about Dylan Rayola is he is the more clean mechanically one. Like they were running like, like this, like play action, um, off that offense as well. And he looked like just super clean mechanically. The release, standing in the pocket, the delivery, like running that play action, like everything looked really clean. Legway's all over the place kind of. You know, he, he kind of has a, ba- a, ba- a baseball background as well. But we have seen like some of those wonky mechanics work on the next level. It's just, can Legway make those mechanics work from at the next level? Or is it something he's going to need to fix along the line? Like that's going to be something, that's a question mark for me, is if that stuff is going to work for him. And of course he adds the rushing upside, right? I mean, the, you know, almost a thousand yards this year. And he, he has, he, yeah, he adds that that extra element, which I think is going to be great for fantasy. And I think that's what we're, we're kind of doing here, right? 
No, yeah, I think I think Lagway is probably the best athlete coming out for quarterback. Yeah. So if you want to chase that, like I would never say no to that. Like, that feels like you know, I'm, I always talk about Lenore Sellers having that. So I, I do support that. I I just Riola did have a slow start, but I feel really good about him as a thrower. And you just talked about mechanics too. I just feel like. Yeah. He's light years ahead in what's actually quarterbacking. Maybe it's a little bit more old school because it kind of seems like improvising and being mobile is the way to go of the future. But I do think Lagway, as far as like pocket passer goes, could be one of the best that we've seen come out. Yeah. He he definitely has the tools, I think, to become that. Like DJ Lagway is definitely more of this like new age, like trendy uh, athletic quarterback who may be a little bit wonky or whatever like that with the mechanics. But like I think I don't know. He just has like I just think he has a lot of upside. Like even you know this this senior season, um, just to give a little bit of background on him. Over fifty feet, over fifty five hundred total yards combined with the rushing and passing, accounted for seventy five touchdowns by himself. Like I remember, I can't even remember the stat, but I remember that put him in some rare company um, overall for guys who had hit, had hit those marks back in school. Like I think Joe Burrow was somebody was one of them. Somebody else was one of them. Like it was like a list of like five quarterbacks. And I don't know if you have that on hand. Do you know which stat I'm talking about? I'm I'm gonna pull it up here. I know Justin Herbert's on it too. There's like yeah, and I know Gunnar Stockton who is another one on that list. Yeah, but again, that's again uh, Texas six A competition, Gatorade National Player of the Year. Like he he grew every year, and he's gonna be an early enrollee too. So he's gonna get a little bit of a head start. Not that we have any evidence to point towards that's even a good thing, anyways. But still, I like I always like to see my guys enrolling early, anyways. All right, I can't find it, but I remember it being like the 150, 50, 50, like no, it was fifteen. It was having a strength of schedule higher than 15, I'm according to Max Prep. A QBR that was, I think, like it was something pretty high. And then, like, having certain rushing stats, like average per game, it was, it was something ridiculous like that. And I like the six names. It was like all of them got drafted. All of them are like somewhat relevant in the NFL, except for yeah. Gunnar Stockton's not looking great. But we're not out yet. We're still holding strong on Gunnar Stockton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really don't have anything else to add for Lagway or Rayola, but they are. QB one and two for me and you, a little different order, but I really wouldn't complain whichever way you want to go. No, we did meet up on our third rank quarterback each, which I mean, we both would say that feels like a drop down tier. Uh, but yes. that's Mr. Julian Sayan, who just came over to Ohio State from from Alabama. I would say, would you say it's safe to say that he's kind of maybe not to the same polished level? Would you say he's like the Dante Moore of this class? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, no, I was thinking yeah, the same okay. thing. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're and I remember last year being like, are we talking like a couple years about his arm strength being lackluster with more? Yeah, and I feel the same way about saying like, there's no real arm strength here. It's just a nice like polished like short pocket passer like. And I'm sitting here like, what's his ceiling like, Mac Jones? Like, yeah, that, yeah, I think that, that was the ceiling? comparison they made. I think in the. Uh... Yeah. Two four seven sports, I think, made that one of the winner value oh, really? that comparison. So I I could definitely see it. Like he's definitely not like the like a crazy mobile guy, either, anyways. Even though they did say that he showed some more in his senior season. I mean, I didn't see it that much in his title tape, anyways. But I mean, the stat sheet is even like kind of underwhelming a little bit. Like only twenty three hundred passing yards as a senior, uh, twenty seven hundred yards a year about for the past two years before that. Um, but again, protects the ball. Only ten interceptions whole career. Only one last year. Um, he's accurate. Um, he does throw with anticipation, uh, anticipation like I like. But yeah, he is. He's kind of like a point guard. I, I feel like of the offense and more of like a and more of like a game changer kind of guy. So he he definitely feels like he falls more into like that that 
game manager bucket. Um, and again, Ohio State does have a lot of guys, and they do get a lot of attention over there. I wonder where he falls in line with this because he was kind of a late. They didn't even know they were going to get him. Like technically, Air Nolan. I don't know if we can. We'll talk about him or whatever. But he's a guy that Ryan Day picked out. Julian Sage just kind of fell into their lap here after after Saban retired. So it's it's going to be an interesting fit there and see how he kind of kind of play if he plays for them, how early he plays for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think. I think Devin Neal is done, or not Devin Neal? Excuse me, not Devin Neal is not done. He's to go, but Devin Brown. Yeah, he needs to Devin, just go somewhere else. Yeah. To, yes, and then and then um, Lincoln Kynold never should have showed up there. So, <laughs> yeah, which one? That's the thing is, which one of these guys is the Lincoln Kynolds of this group? Is it Aaron Nolan or Julian Satan? It's absolutely Aaron Nolan. I don't yeah, even. It's, I don't, it, it's absolutely Aaron Nolan. Yeah. Uh, we have <laughs> different QB fours. I'll go with mine first. I am def. Oh, sorry. Actually, are we done with Julian Sane? Kind of. Yeah, we're done with Julian Sane. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Some. Yeah. Um, my QB four is the start of tier three for me. So that's that's how I feel about this class as a whole. Yeah. Um. By the way, Miles O'Neill. He's kind of from New Jersey. He's a little bit untested, according to like better defenses. Going over to Texas A and M. So they still got Connor Wegman, who I think is my QB one. So I'm projecting or I'm, I'm projecting him to go to draft next year. I think O'Neill has like the tools to be another good pocket passer, big arm, big dude. Going to have a good offensive line there at Texas A&M. The real reason why I put him here at four and the reason why I kind of think I'm not going to fully admit that I kind of cheesed his grade a little bit, but his junior tape was abysmal and it was terrible. Corey, it was, it was like wobbly balls, even in his warm up throws. I'm like, these are just ducks almost, <laughs> you know? And then he yeah. really cleaned it up senior year. Like his throws really got better. And so in my head, I'm like, this is a really nice developmental curve for him. And so I, I just kind of like keeping a trajectory, which are never straight lines, but I think he could develop into even more at Texas A&M for another year. But seeing the growth from junior senior year was very massive for me, very obvious. Yeah, and I've heard his name come up a couple times. Like I was even talking to um, one of my buddies, even uh, about quarterbacks we're kind of targeting in the program, and he kept bringing up Miles O'Neill. Maybe I should have listened to him because it seems like you're kind of high on him too. But he was never a guy that I actually truly dove into to kind of see the intangibles there, or what he had going on. So after seeing him at number four for you here, that definitely puts him on my radar. Definitely looks like a guy I got to go into. For me, like the quarterback, I, I was still trying to catch up. Like if anyone right. doesn't know, I two kids deep now, brand new, newborn, barely even two months old. So I'm a little bit behind on the amount of quarterbacks I'd like to look at. I couldn't even have a number four that I really liked at number four. So I, I would even put a, a bunch of names here. So a couple of guys that I've looked at, at least that I've seen kind of rank highly around. I looked at uh, Luke Romanek going over to Florida State. I looked at Walker White going over to Auburn. I looked at Ryan Puglisi, uh going over to Georgia. Um, I looked at Ethan Grunkmeyer. I can't, oh, Penn State, that's where he's going. I looked at Aaron Nolan, yeah. the other Ohio State quarterback. I don't know which one I even loved enough to put at number four. Like, I think Kromanek does some nice things. Um, he, he's a raw player. I think he's only been playing quarterback for, like, two years now. Um, you know, won the state title as that junior as well. Has some dual threat ability to him. Um, like, over 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground over the past two years. And he's been a pretty consistent passer for somebody who, you know, played some wide receiver, played some defensive back over his high school career. You know, that points to, I think, some of the athleticism he has. The recruiting team does have him clocked at 19.1 miles per hour. Um I, I would say that I expected a lot worse from his mechanics when I turned on the junior tape, especially for a guy that didn't kind of start till that time. But he has some backyard ball to him. You know, he runs around, he holds on to it a long time. He he looks to get out of the pocket pretty quickly, even though it looks like a clean pocket sometimes. But I do like the situation going to Florida State. You know, that, that quarterback room is going to be up for grabs once once DJU leaves next year. They're, they're a team that isn't afraid to kind of dip their toes in the portal, they need to put weapons around him or whatever. So it feels like the floor could be low with him. Um 
but it feels like he kind of has a high ceiling if you can kind of fully develop. I know Matt Bruning is a guy that really likes Luke Kromanek too. So that's the guy I kind of put at my four right now. And I don't even really have anybody. It's like Walker White going over to Auburn. I really didn't like him. I don't have you. Did you watch him? Yeah, I thought he was a little fun as an athlete. Like I look over okay. at like Peyton Thorne, and I think like he can kind of fit what um, the head coach Hugh Freeze, what Hugh Freeze has been kind of doing lately. Um, so I do think Walker White's kind of a good fit for Freeze, and obviously we're, we're kind of loving the young weapons they got in there too. So um, yeah, certainly a project though. He is definitely a project. You know, we kind of talk about Lagway as an athlete. Uh, White's definitely more of a project. So. Uh, a guy to keep an eye on here. I also didn't have a guy at my number five, and I probably actually would choose Walker White or the FSU quarterback. I kind of hate saying that, but there's clear opportunity there. I do love the size, arms kind of live, and yeah, I do like the guys that just get new to the sport. Like it's, they're kind of just showing growth. Uh, so that's really it for me on that. Yeah, is there anybody here that you kind of picture as dark? Like I wouldn't even call him a dark horse, but I will say that Ryan Puglisi was kind of fun on tape. Yeah, um, he did. He does do some nice things. And I know some people are kind of buying into him now, now that George has lost Dylan Rayola and he kind of seems like a guy. Maybe he could wait in the wings a little bit and become a guy that, that, that starts for them down the line. Big arm. You know, it's, he's really elusive in the pocket as well. Has some good size to him. Six, three, two, oh, five. So he is kind of a guy that that was fun on the brief kind of tape that I looked at. So he kind of be a guy I say to look out for as well. But I know you had kind of a deep name here you wanted to throw out. I do. I do have a deep name. We're kind of giving this as a little teaser, though, for next week. But I, I do like. My deep quarterback last year is Hank Brown. Feeling pretty pretty zesty about that lately. Feeling pretty good about that. Might work out. Three-star guy. But this year for me, hmm. it's Drake Lindsey, the Minnesota commit. I, I know, Minnesota QBs, Athenkalic, Manis, whatever. But uh, another big guy that's kind of nice, like did a really good job taking care of the ball this year with a big arm and, you know, played like no-name competition. But Minnesota has a nice established offensive line. They're always good at run blocking at the very least. So, they can figure out more of a passing game, but I, I think the opportunity is here for him. He has predictable size. He's just your pocket passer. So Drake Lindsay is my guy just based off opportunity and tools. Uh, we hope to, we're putting, we're putting Matt on notice, Matt. This is officially us putting you on notice. I'll DM you this week, but we hope to, to get one of the recruiting guys on to get some deeper names here, not just the surface level that we're doing here, but we want to get some, some deeper Debbie names as well. Um, So overall, Corey, the QB class just, Two tier one guys feel good about one tier two, and then like everybody else, you're just kind of like it's a group. Yeah, I'm gonna that's where I'm kind of at. I'm kind of watching uh, some guys waiting for some buzz maybe in the spring, seeing who can kind of turn heads, yeah. maybe earn a earn a quarterback two spot even, you know, because that would even show some some good faith in them as well. So uh, that that will those are kind of be things I'm looking out for. Not a class that I'm sort that I'm in love with. There's 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 times where I've been kind of like four or five deep with guys that I like, especially even last year's class. That was a great class, obviously, but like this year, yes. I I don't I don't even feel great past. Past four or five. Once in my media, I look a little bit more, I'll find some names. But as of right now, yeah, I'm feeling kind of meh. Well, let's let's see how you feel about this next group here with the running backs. You love running backs. You recommended two earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> let me just get let me cut to the chase. Do you think there's a tier one running back in this class? No, because like because like what tier one? We're talking about what like the first three Justice rounds Hayes, of a the three the first three rounds of a startup. Would you say they got to be taken within oh, that? And I don't, and I don't probably. think I'm taking any, I'm not taking any freshman running back within the first three rounds. Of a start yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I don't, I don't know. They definitely come in a little bit later. I think, you know, even for most of us starting to put input some of the freshmen into our rankings, they're probably starting to come in around like, like RB 20 at the most, at the highest. I don't know. When, when does your first freshman running back come in? Oh, at 19. 
There you go. And who is who is number 19? It's actually not the number one guy I wrote on here, so that's a little messed up. But <laughs> it's, I'm actually embarrassed now. It's David Ezio Mume. Um, See, going I, to Clemson. I, I like it. It's, it's bold. It's bold you, because it feels like for a guy that's like so like at least kind of lowly ranked by the by the services, right? It feels like like why do we all kind of like this guy so much compared to what the services are seeing? I'll tell you what, if I never watched his junior tape, I probably would be much higher on him. It was a very different running back as a senior, but as a junior, like I kept seeing a slightly bigger version of Jurion Ely. I don't know if you remember him from Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he was, I saw, he was like, kind of explosive. He was a he was kind of explosive guy too. He was like a freshman all SEC, like his first year, and then like had a weird fan club and didn't do anything. But anyway, um yeah, I had David Ezio Mumi up there. No, I do actually kind of kind of like him a lot. I, I've actually said, like talking with fre- uh, some, some people about freshmen, like him as a pure rusher, like honestly, some of the better tape, I think, out of this like whole class, just as a pure rusher, like there's not much of a receiving profile there, and that's kind of a red flag in his profile as well. But, I mean, I, I, the patience, uh, he's, you know, willing to like, block set up, a good interior runner as well, not one of these guys that looks to get outside, like we always see with these guys, good athletic profile as well, like a 10.8. Uh, 100 meter time. I can't remember what the recruiting guys uh, credit him with for mile per hour. I probably should have looked that up. But he he looks bursty. He's got play strength. He has a finishing gear as well. Um, there's a lot of things I think to like there. Uh, and and there's some opportunity for from Clemson. It's just like uh, I came away, and I will admit. I mean, even starting to look into this, you know, I use a lot of your guys' recruiting rankings and say, okay, I'm going to put this guy on my watch list. And I looked at him mainly because you guys were so highly on him. And I couldn't help but feel like kind of the same way compared to a lot of like the more raw guys in this class or guys that like need a little bit of something. I thought he looked really good as like a, like a pure rusher. So I I have him in my tier one as well. Well, tier one for running backs. Let's just say that he's not really a tier one player, but but the top group of my running backs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought he like junior year thought he won with speed a lot and just kind of decisive and like this is the hole he's gonna hit it like with speed not with power but like with speed yeah. I thought senior year I saw a little bit more power and a little bit more aggressive more a little more physical mentality there um so I like that there uh I do think he can be a pass catcher just based on athleticism and the speed um because will Shelby's gone right it's just Phil Maffa there so yeah we'll need a guy to spell off Phil Maffa. Uh, but speaking of a guy that I do think has really good hands that's in both of our lists is is Quentin Martin, the running yeah. back going to Penn State athlete. I think he might be the official. Yeah, he's the official RB1 for our recruitment team here. Yeah. Um, Martin, to me, reminded me a lot of Jaden Ott. So I just want to say that. I know not a lot of us here think Jaden Ott's a very big Debbie name. Uh, but if I spent a first-round pick on Quentin Martin and I got Jaden Ott, I would not be upset about that. So – Goes to Penn State, brand new system. You got Cole Nicky there. We were we, we are officially in wait and see mode for Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. See how they how he operates with those two there. But Quentin Martin should be the RB three in that group. Yeah, and as a pure runner, like six foot two hundred pounds, so he has has some pretty good size as well. But yeah, he was kind of a weird runner to watch on tape sometimes. Like I like some of his instincts and stuff, but kind of his wild, unrefined running style flails his arms a little bit, a little bit upright as well. Yeah, and he kind of runs like everything at like one speed as well. There's not a lot of like tempo changes there or like a, a lot of patience. I think, I think there's still a lot of areas he's developing in as a runner. And this was a guy who played multiple positions. He's played on the defensive side. He's played wide receiver. He 
uh, plays running back as well. So there's some nice baseline traits, I think, to get excited about with him. But there's there's a lot of development, I think, there as a rusher. It's the pass-catching skills, I think, that's a huge draw here. And I remember watching him in his junior tape, and it was still good usage, but like 90% of it was screens, uh, swing passes, like all this short stuff. As a senior, like it just took a huge jump forward. Like in my opinion, like running these routes and even some deception I saw within the routes showcasing some good hands and good extension as well. Like there's elements to his game that remind me of a guy I scouted a little bit while ago, which is Jordan Whittington who played for Texas, ended up a wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. Like he dealt with a lot of injuries. I know that doesn't sound like the best comp because we don't know what we don't, we don't know what he'll be on the next level. He didn't really have the career that maybe a lot of us would hope. He was such an electric high school player, who spotlighted all those positions at well as well. And that kind of fits for me kind of like what Martin is as well. Like he might even have a future as a wide receiver down the line if it doesn't work at running backs. I think there was some some skills there that I was kind of excited about with him. Did you think he also wanted to bounce everything out wide? Like that was I don't know if his vision is fully de- he he runs on like instincts. I feel like at the next level, like it's all over the place. It's yeah. arms flailing all over the place. And maybe sometimes tried to bounce outside, but um, in his senior team, I, I didn't mind his running in between the tackles and kind of navigating in between the tackles, but uh, I didn't get that. I didn't put that down as an overall note for me. I thought he would, especially at the second level, like he get past the line, the holes there. Yeah. And then he just stops his feet and he wants to bounce out wide. Even he made it through the middle already. Yeah. Um, so I thought he, I saw a lot of that, but Again, I I'm with you. Pass catching is is his his like shining star, and we think he's gonna be good at that no matter what. Feels very safe. Yeah. Um, he, my, he at least has oh, that sorry. floor, that pass catching floor. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah. My last RB. Well, no, I have a few more. <laughs> but the last one I I wrote on this paper here was Cameron Davis is actually my RB one that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, as a junior, he ran for 2,736 yards on 20 touchdowns. That was an average of 16.7 yards per carry. Um, so he was Georgia's class class AAA player of the year in 2022. So um, I think he played varsity football all three years, four years, excuse me, four years with 16.1 yards on average. I just thought he's the most ready. Like he's the most ready. I'm not confident on what his ceiling is, but I think he's one of the better runners i i really do I, I think he really is one of the better pure runners we're talking about david is Mume. i think cameron davis is the best pure runner in this class and not saying that's really high like compared to like prior classes but he can get on the field early especially because they rotate guys over there at fsu yeah he just i don't know this this one is one where we differ like he's he's yeah. my running back five right now and there's parts of his game that I feel that I'm a little bit worried about transition. Like he was mainly a wildcat quarterback, right? Um, yeah. n- not much of his uh, receiving profile there as well. And like his rushing was a lot of just pure instincts, improvisation. When the play broke down, running around, finding a way to gap, kind of like Barry Sandersing himself to like an open lane or something like that. Like part of me wonders how will he fit in the structured running scheme? I think there's a lot of skills there, obviously good lateral agility, probably like one of the best well put, well put together runners i think like from a quickness standpoint from a speed standpoint from a burst standpoint like all those raw tools so i agree with like the baseline uh traits there to develop but but i think the transition might be a little bit hard like right. how is he gonna do with structured running at the next level how is he gonna do following his blocks or the way he's supposed to reading the line the way he's supposed to like 
some of that there is why I'm a little bit concerned about where he goes uh, at the next level. But I do agree with you that he is probably one of the flashiest runners uh, in this class with some of the things that he can do. But um, yeah, he, he'd be right at the top of like ne- the next group of guys for me. I just made this note. I'm not sure if this is still applies to him because I haven't checked him out for quite a few months here. Um, he is an MLB draft potential recruit guy. Okay. So. Yeah, that is, that's, nobody wants to pay baseball for come on everybody, no. everybody wants to play football, football. maybe not no, as a running back actually <laughs> we got taylor swift out here dude we got the swifties yeah come on now. man did you see the highest record ranking uh super bowl ever watched <laughs> was it really <laughs> it was yeah yeah they broke oh, it was all, it was probably all like, yeah it was all because of her i do have two other guys um in my sort of top group i guess like two the two guys in my top group that we've talked about quinn martin and david as you um and I also have Nathaniel Frazier going over to Georgia. Um, yeah. 5'9", 206. I like some of that. He's a former wide receiver as well. That's my kryptonite. I always love former wide receivers. Didn't really play a lot of running back till his junior year, but good athletic profile, 10.5, 800-meter dash, 21.7 miles per hour by our recruiting team as well. One of the hardest parts, I think, about his evaluation was that he was pretty much in a three-headed backfield in his senior year. Um, doesn't really have the production to back up some of the pedigree that we're seeing now. You know, he's like a top rank bank on all of these sites. But, man, He's explosive. Um, he runs like a madman too, like good bursts. He's got these galloping strides downfield as well. Like, uh, got some great suddenness in his cutting ability as well. Doesn't lose a lot of, a lot of speed when he's kind of stringing these moves together. Um, and, and really, I think some untapped potential as a wide receiver, cause he wasn't really used as one as it, when he was playing running back, but of course he used to be one before. So I think there is something there. I, I like the skill set. I like the potential going to a powerhouse like Georgia, um, even though it always feels like they have plenty of running backs there. So you never know where the next one's going to come from or if he's going to get a turn here, but he obviously is going to have to wait his turn here probably a little bit. And, you know, there, there is some questions there, I think, with the two years, only the two years of really playing running back heavily and the massive, like, hole in, in that production profile. But um, I like the skill set a lot. I think there's a lot of raw tra- traits there that I like about him. Yeah, I heard some of the guys talking about his contact balance, like him a lot there doing that. Uh yeah. It is Georgia, so hopefully he keeps his ACLs intact. Or Achilles or any kind of leg, lower leg injury. Just, uh, yeah. what's going on Dude, just wrap him in bubble wrap for two years. Yeah. Um, He is a gym rat, too. I actually took note of that, too, from my old notes. He's a gym rat. So uh, he can put on weight, and then I'm a little bit nervous he puts on too much weight. Yeah, if it'll affect that kind of quickness that he has. But, I mean, I think that it's – in, in that upper echelon, at least like he has some pretty good testing, uh, testing times and yeah. and the printing team gives him some pretty good times. Even if that comes down just a little bit, but you add like 10 more pounds, like I think that'd still be a good, good, good level of, of traits there for him. Pretty excited about him. Uh, do you want to talk about your last guy there? Uh, Mr. Taylor Tatum from, from Oklahoma. I think for me, I would put him the last of the of of the upper group of running backs but i do like yeah. some of his like like versatility you know played that played that with a little bit of wildcat quarterback i also thought when they when he played out wide a little bit he showed some promising uh ball tracking ability down the field like he wasn't just used like in these swing outs or whatever i i think he's a well-rounded well-rounded runner doesn't wow you athletically um he does have a nice finishing gear i think you know can take a hit and keep keep those legs turning as well i just think he's probably a little bit more well suited as a one cut runner can get downhill quickly kind of start to build up that to that final gear already um again probably one of these runners that's a little bit more slippery than he is kind of sudden um i actually thought he was a little bit more explosive in his junior tape 
But I guess I dug in a little bit or whatever, and it seems like he put on some weight going into his senior season. So maybe that was the difference there where maybe it's probably the better move in the long run. Like we're talking about with, with Nathaniel Frazier. If he, he just needs to get more comfortable, I think at that weight. Cause I feel like I didn't see the same type of explosiveness, but um, yeah, d- decent situation at Oklahoma. You know, they got Sawchuck there, but no one really to write home about um, uh, at, behind him. I mean, Javante Barnes constantly injured his, apparently dealing with that foot issue. Uh, we don't know what's really going to go on there, but that's the only other guy that I think that we'd really be excited about. So I don't know. I just, I wouldn't be surprised at his versatility if he could find a way onto the field, even, even in just a complimentary role early and, and given his pedigree and everything, maybe they want to get him on the field. So I kind of, I'm at least keeping him up here for now, but I do think he lacks some of the like, wow, athletic traits I want to see. Yeah. I think I said, you, were you impressed with his lateral movement and his like short area? No, burst? Yeah. no. That's why I kind of think he's a one cut runner. Like, Make that okay. one cut and get downhill downhill quicker. Like that's kind of the the path that I kind of picture for him. He's not a guy that I think can can string together a lot of moves as well. He kind of slows down too much while he's doing it. I, I think he's a build up speed type of guy too. And it, and those yeah. profiles make me nervous unless it's like, well, I know mean you aren't fans of Audrey Estimate, but if you're a power back that's like a build up speed runner, like maybe that's okay. But if you're not, like it's a little nervous about yeah. that. Um, Is there- else that you'd kind of want to mention maybe not someone in that upper group but someone that's at least approaching that group for you we talked a little bit about pre-show a little bit um Kiwan Lacey from Missouri is really appealing um although I am tired of talking about Missouri freshmen the last two years I didn't do anything you <laughs> <laughs> know um, yeah towards Jones who was last year's it was towards Jones before him no oh, yeah but he almost didn't even fit the way that they got their style over there a little bit well, it's a new style now, but I, I did like oh, yeah. Kimo Lakes. He thought he was very fast and like like the probably actually the opposite of Taylor Tatum. So I I, I liked his speed, like his like decisive runner. But I keep my eye on Kimo Lacey. Did you get some Isaiah Pacheco vibes from him? I feel like that's what I felt like when I saw him. Oh, like he's good. kind of just like a madman. Like he's just like hundred miles per hour. Just like uh, runs hard through contact. You know, he's not patient. Like, yeah, not, like not patient at all. Quick cuts, but he, he does have some quick cuts. Like, he kind of weaves through traffic a little bit. Yeah. Like, there was, like, like Kiwan Lacey is another one of these guys that's not, like, super highly ranked, but another one that the recruiting team kind of put me on because they kind of had a decent ranking on him, and I was like, oh, I'll get a look at him, put him on the watches. And, yeah, I was I kind of like to stay, too, the way he can kind of move around and stuff a little bit. So, I, yeah. I definitely agree with you as, like, a, a guy there that I'd be interested in. There, there was a play that was, like, so obviously bad patience that I watched, and it was just – it was like an out wide. I think it was like a swing pass type thing. And um, the big boy just couldn't get there fast enough for him, you know? Yeah. And, and it wasn't like the DB was on him either, like trying to be the tackle. Like the, He just didn't want to wait for the big boy to get there. He did not want to wait for his blocks to develop. Yeah. Um, yeah. All good now. Ready to go to wide receivers. Let's do it. All right. I am so ready for this because this one I, I do. I, yeah. This is the bread and butter. This is the exciting group. Running backs, like, not too excited. I'm sure a handful of guys pop up, surprise me. Quarterbacks, we're very excited about two guys. But wide receivers, I am very excited. So we're going to talk top 10. Uh, we want to talk about year one, zero, three. It's kind of like the initial thing you got to do year one for us. Uh, I try not to be too critical of of true freshmen when they play. All I want to see is get on the field, adjust to the play strength, and then year two is when I start being hypercritical of them. But – this last year, we actually had one of the worst year one zero years, I think, of all time with only 13 guys crossing the threshold. That was the lowest we've had, I think, maybe ever, but it's definitely a long time. Uh, so with our top 10, before we get into our top 10, how many tier one guys would you have? 
three. three. I'm at three as well. Yeah, that's right. That's we right. have a different order, so I can't wait for this. So you want to give your order, and then we'll just start going down the list? Yeah, I guess we're just switching one and three, right? So our top three, uh, Jeremiah Smith going over to Ohio State. That's my number one. Ryan Williams going over to Alabama. That's both of our number twos. And Mr. Micah Hudson going over to Texas Tech. That is my number three and your number one. So yes, uh, how what what is putting Mr. Micah Hudson right at number one for you? I just think he's a player. I understand that the landing spot is suboptimal, mm-hmm. but I, I think he's like I think he's a really good quick choice mover. He got good routes runner, good separator. But on top of that, like he's reliable in his 50-50 balls too as well. I believe he's listed at six foot one ninety. So size is like it's not it's not like a big alpha dog type of guy. So him excelling at that at a younger age, it's pretty exciting. Probably doesn't translate over to the pros that well once we get there. But the fact that he's doing I just can't poke holes in this game. I can't poke holes in this game. I think he's really twitched up too. I I, I can't poke holes. I think he's got a phenomenal game. Like he could literally go out there, lead Texas Tech. And receiving as a true freshman, maybe like seven, eight hundred yards. I don't know if he'll threaten Xavier Worthy's um, true freshman season because their quarterback play is pretty bad over there. But like, I think he could lead this this group, like his team, in receiving yards. Yeah, the opportunity is huge there, and like, really, any one of these three, you can put any order on these three, and I think I'm going to be fine because it's kind of different types, right? Like yeah. Jeremiah Smith, uh, my number one is kind of like your true X wide receiver, you know, has a size to him, uh, more of like your Marvin Harrison type if there was one, you know, because some people have like related him to like Julio Jones and all that stuff. Like that's, but that's the type of player at least people put him on the spectrum of. Like that's it, it's the it's the movement skills at his size, the length, the ability to go above the top as well. Like he kind of is the complete package as an X wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like he might not have the same yak ability as like some of these other two guys, but still has enough like in his repertoire between like movement skills, route running ability, um, contested catch ability, good hands. Like I, I love that those parts of his profile and he's an explosive athlete as well. So I see the NFL falling in love with, with him. And I think that's why I'm, I'm keeping him at number one as well. And I think he's going to get a good opportunity there at Ohio state as well. Um, given his pedigree and given like, they don't really have a lot after Emeka. I do kind of wonder this year, how, how much, you know, with Chip Kelly coming in as well, will it be yeah. more focused on the running game and working in a new quarterback with Will Howard? Like how much of these young guys are still going to get on? You know, we're expecting Carnell Tate to take another big step as well. So that's maybe some of my my hold up there. Um, so I do agree that Micah Hudson might have the better opportunity. And in turn, like by next year, maybe this is flipped because just that up that that production that he put up as well. So I, I, I get your reasonings for it as well. But maybe Jeremiah Smith just flashes me as like that, that true X wide receiver that everybody wants in the NFL. No complaints here. I do think, like, junior tape, like, I really thought his, like, on-field athleticism was exaggerated. And I saw reports that, like, in camp, they're the exact opposite. Like, he's a much better mover in camp. And the 77 circuits, like, very good mover. And then the senior tape, I would agree, too. His movement skills are pretty good. Yeah. I was a little nervous, though. Like, really, like, watching him junior year, I was like, is this just a jump ball guy? Like, can he not? Yeah. Is this Ja'Cory Brooks? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know that's what you're thinking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I really was. And then Ryan did that tweet, like, how's this guy not the greatest player of all time, you know, out of high yeah. school? Um, uh, the last guy, though, Ryan Williams, uh, going to Alabama here. He reclassified from the 2025 class. So he's young. He's like 17 years old. He's a very lanky frame. I don't have his size right, but it's very lanky. It's yeah, very it's like 166 dude. or something or one, maybe even. Yeah, is it, it's is low. It six it's foot low. one, though, like six foot one, 166. There. 
Yeah, or six foot or something like that. He's a he's a definitely a skinny guy. You don't need numbers to tell you when you watch him that he's kind of a, a thin guy at this point. Yeah. So he decommitted from Alabama, then recommitted uh, to Kalen DeBoer. Obviously, Alabama's kind of cleared out of talent um, for the most part. Did they? Yeah, they didn't get anyone else, did they? No one really followed them over. Oh, Jeremy Bernard. Jeremy, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we really do like what Kalen DeBoer does as a system. Uh, we'll see about how his first group of wide receivers goes into the NFL draft this year, see how they do. But Ryan has like a ton of tools. Like I see a lot of like Calvin Ridley in him, which I know is also going to Alabama, but that's why I see a lot of him in, in him. Uh, so another good mover, not the best at 50 50 balls and maybe a little bit raw too, but again, has like all those tools and traits to develop. And he's young, like he's so young. Yeah, he's, su- he's super young. And really, it's just like the movement skills with him that like, like super just draw you in like the ability to gear down the ability to get back up to speed, like how sudden it is. Like you just picture like, you know, like the way Tyreek is so snappy within his routes and how quickly he can cut on a dime and stuff like that. Like I see that a lot in Ryan Williams and it's official size, um, six foot and a half and 165. So yeah, he definitely has some room he needs to, to fill out there. But, you know, he does. I think he had he flashed some pretty good hands. And I think that I almost think him and Micah Hudson actually share some similarities like. Both guys, you know, kind of uh, took some rushes a lot as well. Had have that versatility, that lineup versatility as well. Um, kind of have that all around game to them. I just felt like Ryan Williams was a little bit more of like a quick t- twitch mover. Had to me, had a higher ceiling if he could reach it. Micah Hudson may be more ready at this point as a wide receiver, obviously, but I just think Ryan Williams might have the higher ceiling down the line. I also want to say this too for Ryan Williams because I knew this from the top of my head. I had to go look him up to make sure. His numbers are like just insane video game stats. Like sophomore year, 88 receptions for 1,641 yards and 24 touchdowns. And then as a junior, 72 receptions for 1,324 yards and 19 touchdowns. I mean, like that's an any reclass. I mean, that's just, it's insane. Yeah. Someone dominate I mean, like that. It's insane. And it's super young. So you're like, you know, the upside's just there, right? Like there's everybody's going to, going to imagine that as well, because there's, there's so much room to grow for him. Like I just, yeah. One of the highest ceilings in this class for sure. All three of my tier ones, and I agree with Corey that whatever order you had them in, I'm not complaining about. Yeah. Number four lines up for both of us here. TJ Moore going to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson keeps collecting these six foot three guys. That <laughs> I know. Is, isn't that the isn't that the major worry? Like it's just because he just kind of keeps falling in line with some of these guys. Like that's like the, the biggest red flag on the profile. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's the same with like the the Georgia running backs. Like they really aren't working out lately, but like we keep liking yeah. them going there. Yeah. So that's the major worry. But like I thought his his camp, his Under Armour All American camp. I thought like watching those practice clips, like he might have been one of the the best player there. He might have been the best player there. Um, so anyway, really special movement ability, six foot three, right? You don't really expect those guys to like sink their hips and route run and all this other stuff like that. But he really was, he was sinking his hips. He was showing some really nice release moves too. I have no complaints on TJ Moore besides he's going to Clemson. I just don't know what Clemson's doing lately, but Corey talks about TJ Moore. Yeah. And I like his vertical ability, long strider as well. I think he eats up ground pretty quick. Um, I definitely has that pull away speed. I'd, I wish I had gotten the, the mile per hour time because I think it's really up there for him. Is it not like 22 miles per hour or something? I'm going to pull that up really quick. I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up. Yeah. So I, I swear it, it's up there for him anyways. Anyway, you can see the pull away speed. He pulls away from his competition really good. And it's down the field as well. It's the concentration. It's like over the shoulder. It's it, it's good hands. He, play, he plays fast. He has, a, he has a fast tempo to him. 
I, I'd say like, you know, with guys his size, you maybe don't expect like crazy yak ability either. And there wasn't many instances of that. So it's like, I don't know how much he's going to be used in the short game. Uh, not a lot of uh, instances of screens and stuff like that. Like he's more of like a vertical threat right now with, but he's got like a great build, a great overall uh, game down the field. Perfect wide receiver for Clemson. Let's just hope that he can actually break the mold of these guys that keeps failing. Yeah, 21.9 miles per hour. Oh, there. so right there, right there, yeah. Yeah, very fast. And there was, I think, of like the top guys, I think he's the only one. He's, yeah, never mind. Anyway, very high for his class, very high. Yeah. We have different fives, but they go to the same team. I'm going to start off with mine real first. Uh, I can't call mm-hmm. going to Auburn. Another big guy, a lot of size guys in this class, six foot three, 190. I think he's probably the best like on-field athlete coming out here. Uh, credit running with 22.6 miles per hour on the field. Um, the issue with Auburn this year is that they bring in a couple of guys that are all the same size. And so there's got to be like some cannibalism. There's got to be like one of them can't stick around. Like they play the same position. They play the same role. Uh, and that's why I believe in Cam Coleman over your number five in Perry Thompson. And I was like, I don't know. I just got a, a different feeling from Cam Coleman as a player. Like I did not think the play speed matched up with the speed he was credited with. And maybe it's a buildup okay. speed. Maybe it's a downfield finishing gear or something like that. Like to me, like, like great ball tracking, uh, great hands, uh, extension, hand strength, natural. He's a natural at the catch point. I think those skills translate, and that's something you can get excited about with him. But like, things were a little bit more contested than I expected, given some of his his speed. Like the guys, not not that guys were getting all up in his face, but were closer than I expected. I thought I expected a little bit more separation from him. Uh, really good, good body adjustments. Um, but like even like gearing down, he takes a couple steps to do it a little bit. Like it, to me, the play speed just didn't match up, and I got. A little bit scared that he's a little bit of a possession wide receiver. He's a little bit. He's gonna be a little bit more of a bully ball type guy that needs like maybe a, a lane to build up to that top speed or something like that. So that kind of worried me a little bit with his profile. Not much of a route tree, um, you know. And again, not a, again, not a guy that has a lot of yak ability. Whereas my guy on the other end, Mr. Perry Thompson, who is credited with six three two zero five. I don't know if he's actually that size. First of all, I think he's he might even be more around six one or six two or something. Like okay, that. But, okay. But regardless, I think that he actually moves a lot better. There's a lot. There's a little bit more yak ability there. He's a lot of manufactured touches as a senior. Um, he's got good burst. I think um, good pull away speed. The thing I like about him is actually his route tree. Some of the things he does. It's not extensive, but I like his head fakes. He, he has a lot of those. Like, I made a cut up. I put it on Twitter. You can see, like, some of the deception that he does within his routes. I just feel, like, very savvy to me that I feel like there's a lot more to build on there. Took some uh, some usage as a rusher as well. Uh, as a junior, he was pretty much kind of used as, like, a vertical threat. But then in, as a senior, you kind of saw more parts of his game come together and saw that little bit more of that yak ability. Um, there is times, I think, you know, Cam Coleman, I'm definitely going to give the hands. I'm just going to give the trade. He did, like, I think Perry Thompson lets the ball get into his body a little bit at times. But I, I see a more translatable skill set for our purposes in, in fantasy. And I see a more high volume role that, that maybe Perry Thompson could be in as opposed to Cam Coleman, who might, you know, for me, line up more as like a Mike Williams type of guy. Okay. Well, I don't like Perry Thompson because uh, talk, you talked about his yak ability. I thought like, even like on punt returns or like short, short type passes, he always wants to take the ball to the opposite side of the field. Like he knows he's the best athlete on the field. So he just he like runs from like one opposite hash all the way to like the opposite boundary, and that was like a lot of like what I saw. And I was like, you gotta like break. 
he's gonna be like a wild horse i gotta break at the next level to stop doing that because i saw it a lot so i, I and i didn't really i really noticed the the route tree difference so I'm, I'm gonna go back and look at that for sure um but they're both guys i thought were like the same size same like athleticism i'd rather have the guy that doesn't have that type of mentality i don't know that doesn't have the, I'm the better athlete type mentality i'd rather him actually be a little bit more a little bit more polished, which I see that we have a difference in opinion on that one. So yeah, a little bit of a different player, maybe at this stage that we're seeing. So okay, I'll have to go back. I'll have to go back. I know Austin's a big fan, and I think Austin's like the wide receiver whisperer out of the group. So I'm probably wrong on that. Hey, one, but it's always good to have Austin on your side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to wide um, receivers, for sure. Yeah, you ready to move on to the next one here? Let's do it. I want to talk about your six, and I need to revisit mine, so I might be up there with you. Um, but Josiah Trader, also called JoJo Trader, going over mm-hmm. to Miami, played on the same team as Jeremiah Smith. Um, yeah. But JoJo was a two-way player, so his stats are not nearly as flashy, and his tape's a little bit harder to find. And I think he was hurt the second half of the. He only played. He didn't play as many games. I can't remember why. Five games, six games. I think he played, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Five, yeah, something like that. They only played in the he, senior season, so yeah. He did show up in the All American uh, Bowl, though. So like, that's fine. He's healthy. Uh, I thought his routes were phenomenal. His one on one was great. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. Like even though the, like the the stats won't show it, it was it was like this dude actually is polished, and they probably just didn't need him. They're like, all right, Jeremiah's here. You'll play some defense. Like, mm-hmm. Miami has a very clear hole on their offense. It's is either Shepard returning, which is like a reliable slot guy. You have Jacoby George, who's a very athletic outside guy. Uh, by the way, who got a shout out from one of the other Miami players at the Senior Bowl? So, just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but JoJo Trader, I think, could be the number three this year by the end of the season. Again, just a really nice special mover. Corey has him at six. I have him at seven right now, and I probably will move him up. I, Corey, I, I logged down to look at a recruit rating and our scores. And I, I swear, dude, I was like one of the highest on JoJo, and I went to go look, and I'm like now one of the lowest somehow. So, <laughs> yeah, everybody just keep like bumping. Somebody was like like severely bringing down his grade for a while too. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to call Alfred him out or but... something. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For a while there, at least he was. Yeah, maybe I should have mentioned. They him. were bullying him. Like, need to go rewatch this. Yeah, <laughs> here's a clip. Yeah. Watch this and rewrite him. Yeah. Yeah, I think you covered most of it. Like, you know, 6'1", 175, so he has a good size, too. And it's the movement abilities with him. It's the tools that add up to the good route running skills. You know, the ability to gear down. He's got good hands, like the, one-handers, ball tracking. Too. Yeah, the, the adjustments he can make. He's sudden. He's very sudden. He's got good footwork. Like, he's got all the tools to be an electric route runner at the next level. Like, like so I'm really excited about his potential. And I think there is a hole here at Miami for him to get some good playing time in year one. Absolutely. I got nothing else to add to that. Going over to my six, who's actually not on Corey's list at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, I think, our only dec- discrepancy. Well, we only, yeah. we Our list kind of lined up pretty well, which is kind of funny, but. It's just, yeah, uh, it's crazy. I try, I tried so hard not to even look at your, like, no, nothing. I'm so, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shocked that they ended up as the way they did, but whatever. That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, at six, I put Aaron Butler, who actually was my wide receiver four earlier in the year. So I was very high on Butler to start off. Athlete, uh, going over to Texas, he did flip over from Colorado. I really did enjoy that flip. Um, he only played five games this year. His team was like two and three, not making the playoffs. And his dad is the offensive coordinator of his high school team. It was like, don't play. So he didn't play. <laughs> I think he has really nice fluid moving ability. But on top of that, like his ball skills for a guy his size, I have to look it up. But he's one of these like 5'11", 160. Like he's very skinny. 
Yeah, he's even smaller than Ryan Williams that we were talking about earlier. But he's like mossing dudes at like five foot ten. He's got like two hands, yeah. like these little like toe grabs on the sideline, getting these like these these balls. So I was really insanely impressed with his ball skills, given his size, but also his movement ability looked really good. I saw some deception. Um, you can watch like a full like game of his on YouTube, uh, so, which is kind of nice, like a full game instead of like watching his huddle cut up tape. So uh, Butler was at six for me. Now the reason why it's, I might lower him is because. This grade was when he was going to Texas. Texas didn't have Isaiah Bond or Matthew Golden transferring in at this point in time. Yeah. So I think he kind of plays the same. Like all three of those guys, like Bond, Golden, and Jonte Cook and Butler, like kind of all kind of can play the same role. And so I'm sitting here like he's like fourth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he beats year one zero. Like I think he's very talented, but I don't – I'm worried about opportunity from how much talent's in front of him. It's a very talented roster. So I got lowered Aaron Butler, but for the sake of this episode, I do have him at six. I'll probably lower him, like eyeballing it right now, probably to like ten ish. Yeah, so he's the only guy that I don't have in my list that you have in yours, and it might just be a lack of of, of watching him more. Like I even remember when I got to Aaron Butler in my watch list, like it was super late at night. I think I might have even like started dozing off near the end of it. Yeah. But but that might even be like a sign a little bit to me. Like I I wasn't like super blown away by the tape. I don't think I didn't see like mm. a lot of deception within his rows. And I saw some good downfield stuff. Um, and I want, maybe I wanted to see a little bit more short area stuff. Maybe that's why I got to go back and look. So it's like, I don't hate him being on your list. And there's a lot of other guys that are high on him. Like the recruiting team is high on him as well. Um, he's a little bit low in the, in the actual recruitment rankings, but again, this could be another one of those hidden gems that you guys can get value on. That's a little bit lower in your drafts right now because of the way that recruitment ranking is, but he's a guy I think I need to go back and look at and get a better feel for, but for now I wasn't comfortable ranking him within my top 10. So that's why he's not there for me. Yeah. Uh, and then I had Jojo at seven. So Corey had him at six, I had him at seven. Mm-hmm. And then our number eight lines up, it's going to be Mylon Graham, mm-hmm. Indiana recruit, Indy, Indiana, yeah. Indiana recruit going to Ohio state. He's a pretty good route runner. Uh, Corey, my main concern is that his athleticism numbers on our database are all very good. Um, but I didn't feel like I was watching good athleticism when I watched. Yeah. That. And when I watch guys that play poor competition, like I'm looking at them being the best athlete on the field. I didn't feel like the gap was that big for him. Yeah. But I mean, I'll at least say to say some good things like, like six, one, one seventy, So a little bit thin, but he does have, he does have some quick feet. I want to say he does have some some decent burst in and out of his cuts as well. There's some good yak ability there. I think there's some good shiftiness in the open field. Um, you know, some, some extension there, some good hands there as well outside of his frame. I think some of the problem with me that, that started lowering him as well, because he was a lot higher for a lot of people earlier within the process. But this guy's like a slot guy 95% of the time. So he didn't like he didn't play a lot of tough coverage. Um, he really operated within that like low end of the field. Um, a lot of screens, uh, a lot of short stuff, a lot of just getting the ball in his hands quickly and then him making something happen out of it. So is there potential for a gadget type role here with him that's one area where i'm kind of concerned that he a bucket he might fall into because i don't feel like i saw that extensive of a route tree with him so that's something that that, that kept lowering for me and i don't think he's the strongest player he seemed a little bit soft so that that's one thing at least that i want to keep looking at. again huddle film you don't see every play you don't see everything he could be a lot more uh complex than i'm giving him credit for but that was some of the reasons he started dropping for me yeah yeah i, I and i'm always worried about like game speed adjustment and that's Kind of main concern with him, uh, but yeah. the other guy left 
I'm actually going to cut down to your number nine because the guy that left was Jeremiah McClellan, uh, flipped over to Oregon with Dan Landing. Mm-hmm. I thought these two guys were kind of tough to rank. And it was one of those things like last year where we got three really good recruits. We got to choose one guy to like not make it, you know, just not touch the field. Yeah. Uh, last year for me was Noah Rogers. And last year for you was probably Ennis. I think we differed on that. Yeah, I think no. Ennis was high up there for me. It was Rogers and the other guy. It didn't matter. Be- oh, Carnot. Yeah. Yeah. Carno. No. Well, yeah, it was Tate. Yeah, it was Tate. You're right. Yeah. So I lost on that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I I liked Ennis a lot, so don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Jeremiah McClellan goes over to Oregon. I think, I think really, really similarly to Mylon Graham is Jeremiah McClellan. I think both these guys are kind of like good route runners, good short area type guys. Uh, and McLellan goes to a team with a much higher need than than Graham does. Yeah, I saw a little bit more expansive uh, route tree from McLellan. I thought I saw some good agility there um, on some of his double moves. Um, and he was kind of used it both ways. Um, kind of spotlighted as a Wildcat quarterback at times as well, too. Like his senior stats, uh, 48 rushes, 400, 428 yards and 11 touchdowns, plus 58 receptions for 834 yards and 13 touchdowns. Like As a junior, 330 rushing yards and four touchdowns, 1,103 touch, uh, yards and 13 touchdowns receiving. So he kind of has like that versatile skill set, and I like. Um, and I think he does show like some manipulation within his routes as, as well. I thought the ball tracking was pretty good. Like to me, he lines up as somebody who could eventually be a technician. The part about for me that brought down his profile was – there's elements of his game that they're not the same player. Okay. But there there's elements of how I felt about this profile is similar to Jane Greathouse where like oh. he's, he's closer to a technician that like, isn't super, super explosive. Like even the recruiting team times clocks him out at, at 20.6 mile per hour time. And I think that lines up. Like I just don't see super, super explosive moves from him. Like I see agility and I see stuff like that. He moves well, like almost like if you want to give an upside comparison, like Keenan Allen, like that's, that's kind of where you would hope he would become further down the line. But that's probably the biggest thing there. The top end speed, the suddenness, like he's a fine athlete, but that's the parts of the profile I think are missing for me. I think he's going to have to win being a technician and stuff like that. And yeah, there is, there is some opportunity here at Oregon, especially heading into next year when this room is going to almost completely clear out. Evan Stewart has Johnson will be gone. Um, the other guy there, I can't remember his name, uh, old, old Alabama guy. I think he's going to run out of a, a eligibility. Yeah. I think he's going to run out of eligibility sometime here soon as well. So it opens right up after that. He could be Dante Moore's number one weapon down the line. So I like some of that opportunity there. A little bit worried that he can get on the field, especially after they treated our boy Jerry on Dickey. They didn't begin. I, I know yeah. some injury thing there, but a little bit worried if they're going to get freshmen on the field here because they don't they didn't really make that a priority last year. So that's that's some of my concern with him beating that year one zero. I knew Dickey was toast when they had eighteen dudes catch a ball against TCU, and he was not one of them. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like dude, like can't even get on the field for that. Like, yeah, oh that yeah, that's tough. Last guy here, uh, my nine or no, my ten, your nine, and it's gonna be Bryant Wesco. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not the Texas one; he's the Auburn one, right? Yeah, it was Clemson for Wesco. That's where it was for him. Nice, yeah. Another six foot three guy. I'm sure. I'm sure. Which makes yeah, it six so two, tough. six two, close enough. But he's skinny, uh, one seventy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we know he's not playing the slot because we got Antonio Williams and Tyler Brown there, so. Um, another another crowded room. So worried about him being your major mode that way. But Corey, you want to tell me what you thought about as a, as a player? Yeah, like I like some of the athletic profile. Twenty one point five miles per hour. 
Um, I thought he was pretty good at the catch point, like high pointing it, extension. Like there was even some instances I thought of some tempo releases, which I thought, which I like to see. You like to see him like, you know, play with speed a little bit like that. There's right. some suddenness there, but I didn't really think he was a yak threat. He's just kind of quick enough to, he can make, he makes the first guy miss sometimes. There's some cutting ability there. There's some change of direction there. So he's not just, you know, a, a big body guy, which he really is. And he's kind of skinny. So you expect some of that. He has some return ability. Um, I just don't think he's super wiggly. Like he doesn't have like a lot of moves in the open field, and it's I kind of stiff wonder, too. You think a little yeah, bit stiff. a bit stiff. Like I kind of wonder how that will completely ch- um, uh, translate there. So um, has a little bit of a finishing gear as well there from that twenty one point five miles per hour. So I think that he has some intriguing abilities, um, especially with that ath- athletic um, mile per hour time that he hit. Like maybe there is some Troy Franklin there, maybe in a, in a oh, really okay. light realm of I- things. I was gonna say his route for us would have to be Troy Franklin because, like, yeah, I actually do think he's stiff. So if he's gonna be anything, he's got to be a tempo manipulator because you don't, you yeah. don't have to, you don't have to do too much wiggle for that. That's just stop, stop and go type stuff. Yeah, exactly. So he might just be more of like a outside vertical guy, um, and, that, and that that really might be where he wins because I don't see him as much of like a yak guy or like middle of the field type guy. Right. Yeah, and he is slender. I think he looks at one seventy. He looks like it to me too. So. Yeah, if it, so that that essentially rounds out the top ten. Who's the first name, I guess, for you, kind of pushing towards that top ten? Maybe even a couple, if you want to mention anybody. Yeah, I I really do like much better than the rest of the recruiting team. So probably don't take this advice, but I really do like uh, Nitro Tuggle going to Georgia. You, I, I got to watch it more. Yeah, I I think you know what I really do think, and I I think Georgia just has a type. I think he's George Pickens, but you take out like two inches, and that's who I think he is. <laughs> Yeah, like Wait, excellent ball, like excellent at the catch point, like body adjustments, things like that. Like, but loves to like get dirty and loves to hit kids when they're not. Yeah, like, yeah. it. Yeah, it, that's that's nitro toggle, and I think he had a very good year. I'm trying to pull it up. It was kind of shocking, like a thousand five hundred yard type season. He's just also very inconsistent. Like he's a good athlete, but it's just he's raw. He's just very raw. He's a, he's just an athlete and a bully wrapped up in one. I'm trying to get it here. Yeah, ninety five receptions for a thousand four hundred forty nine yards and 19 touchdowns yeah so he's he's definitely a player that i remember looking at briefly especially when i was recruiting in the program he was somebody that i think i tried to to nav just quickly i'm going to georgia or whatever i gotta get a deeper look at him though because that's the second that's like the third time i think he brought his name up to me that i think um so definitely one more worth a look there for me go ahead sorry i'm sorry and, and if if his number one trait is gonna be ball skills you know, the way George Pickens straight is like, I'd rather those guys be like six foot three, six foot four, you know, like get the height advantage, get the wingspan advantage. Yeah. Um, and being six foot does not fly for that at the next level. Yeah. No, so he's definitely got, I got to look into a little bit more. Uh, I'm still working my way through some wide receivers here. Um, I've only looked at, I think at about six or seven more after this, but the one, at least at the top of my list for right now, at least I was pushing. I was even almost thinking, I almost slipped him in there a couple of times. I think I moved things around, but is a guy going over to Oklahoma is Zion Kearney, like 6'2", 210 pounds, um, 21.2 mile per hour time, 10.8900 meter time. So he has a nice athletic profile. And I wouldn't say there's there's not a massive route tree there. And this guy isn't a guy who, you know, runs a lot of screens or stuff like that or are super wiggly or super shifty or anything like that. He's a vertical wide receiver, kind of like an X. Like, I think there's, there's parts of his profile that are like, maybe he could be like a Cedric Tillman type guy, but he's big and he's explosive. Like he's, you can almost feel like the power when you're kind of watching him. Like, I think there's some good concentration there. I think there's some good release there. Um, I think he's fast. 
um, has some returnability as well. To me, it's 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 true X potential with him. It's just right now, it's a little bit raw for me. He's he's big and explosive, and that's the way I would put it right now. It's kind of, you know, we've seen some of these guys in the past not really translate, you know, whether that was like Chris Marshall or, or CJ Williams or other guys like that who were kind of big and explosive and couldn't really figure it out at the next level. He's a guy at least I'm watching for now. Just see how he goes. And going to Oklahoma Sooners over there, there's there's some opportunity over there. There's a couple of guys they have, you know, uh, Nick Anderson and whatnot, that kind of had, had flash at times to quiz Petaway. But there's some room there for another guy to make some noise. Is Ian Kearney? May, may, might walk into some some opportunity there. Yeah, I, one one guy, just one last guy for me on deep names. We don't really get to is uh, Jonathan Paler. Oh like yes, a running back, wide receiver hybrid going to NC State. NC State's got a very clear opportunity there. It's just KC there, um, and Robert and I there at the helm of being OC. So I do think best case scenario, like Paler turns into like a Wando Robinson type of player. Yeah, um, but that's all I gotta say about Paler. Yeah, that's that's the trajectory I put him on too. If you're hoping for the upside with with Paler, a guy who's played a little bit of running back, played a little bit of wide receiver, uh, not the biggest guy, uh, probably Wandale Robinson. I probably should have saved them for next week's episode. So I'll talk about. I'll, I'll just repeat the same thing next week. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is that it for you, Corey? That's it for me, man. Um, you know, we never skip tight ends. That's our favorite position group, but have to ask if there's just any tight ends that you care this early about in their career. I do not. Um, I know the guy going over to Alabama, I think I believe Odom, Caleb Odom is a pretty rank, highly ranked guy and at least has some opportunity there. Cause I mean, they, they lost to Mario and I black uh, CJ Dupree's out of eligibility. I think he's in the, he's in the draft right now. I think, I think he's, I think he took his talent to the draft, but was trying to make it to the next level. I think he's but, still there actually. Is he? Yeah, I, sw- I swear he tried to go, but he, regardless, I think there's some opportunity there for a guy to make some noise, and he might be a guy at least to kind of watch out for. But I don't have uh, a lot of takes on this tight end class yet. No, I, I know Riddell's our number one by the team going to Georgia, obviously Georgia, duh. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, guys, that wraps it up. Corey, last call for anything you want to add. No, I mean it's good. I think you know if once you get Matt on, or maybe we can figure out if we if we can get Matt on next week. He's yeah, the guy who came on to our freshman sleepers episode last year, dropped some really really great tidbits on some of these freshman sleepers uh, that are deeper in the class. And no, like I mean him and David, like nobody goes deeper than those guys do. So I mean you're getting the yeah. best here uh, uh, at the guys that he looks at and, and the depths that they go to find these guys. So I mean definitely tune in next week if you like this episode. You're going to hear some really great sleepers for your draft next week. Just a quick recap. Me and Corey excited about two quarterbacks, DJ Lagway, Dylan Rayola. Not excited about the running back class. We'll just skip over that. And then <laughs> we're pretty pumped about the wide receiver group here. But so a little bit thinner from last year, that's for sure. But it's a new year. We're ready for some surprises. From Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck. Good luck.